Okay, we are going live. Hi, my name is Jim, and this is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. Uh, thank you guys for uh, joining me this week. And I've got a very special uh, guest who's kindly agreed to join us. I think you already know who it is. It, of course, is uh, Gavin McInnes from, uh, from the U.S., and uh, but before I introduce him, let me just quickly say thank you to my two sponsors. Uh, it is Dear South Africa, the uh, direct democracy platform in which you can have your voice heard. Uh, we know that uh, the government wants to expropriate uh, land and uh, they picked up 230,000 comments, which they submitted to Parliament. A very, very important platform. All the information is under the video. And then my other sponsor is... Uh, Paratus.info, they are a gun information, a pro-gun lobby group. They are there to give you all the information you need uh, to uh, to get registered to buy guns. Um, and we know that the ANC wants to take away guns from uh, law-abiding citizens. Everything you need to know is there. And I am very, very pleased to introduce to you uh, probably the most hated uh, guy on the internet. Uh, well, I, I want to say the, the world's second best troll because I've got to admit that Donald Trump is a better troll than you, Gavin. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good. He is. I mean, he's great with the names too, like Pocahontas and all that. <laughs> um, uh, he is fantastic. And I've got to tell you, when, when, when he won, uh, I, uh, I woke up to the news and I definitely opened a bottle of champagne. How did you respond when he won? Oh, so we had a party that we had rented a bar in, in shirts on, and I wasn't confident that we were going to win. And I said, you know, guys, if we lose, we have to keep fighting and, and n never give up and stuff like that. And fighting solves everything. We've got to keep fighting to the end. And then the, the data started coming in because they had Fox News on a big TV in the bar. And we started realizing, you know, all these swing states were going, were going Trump. And when it finally happened, they, we put on Andrew WK, Party Hard, and everyone picked me up. You can find this on YouTube. Yeah. Everyone picked me up in the air and we were pouring beer on our, ourselves. It was probably the best night of my life. We were hysterical. <laughs> well, uh, we, we, we actually knew that he was going to win. And how we knew that was because the Huffington Post said that he had a 98% chance of losing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know how, how who knew he was going to win was uh, comedians, because the media was saying that he's going to lose and it's Hillary, 98% chance Hillary. And then comedians would actually drive around the country and they saw bumper stickers and they saw lines on, signs on people's lawns. And they're a good sort of a, a metric when it comes to the, the, the climate of the entire country. And all the comedians said, I don't know what the media is talking about because I see a hell of a lot of Trump signs. Um, and uh, do you think he's going to get 2020? Because I think he is. Yeah, I think the, the left has been very good to yeah. him by being so insane. And, you know, at the DNC debates, they said, how many people think illegals should... And every single one of them put up their hand. Now, 
there's probably five billion people who want to come to America. They all get free health care. So they do that. Mm. Then they talk about abortion a day after the baby's born. Then they were talking about what was the other crazy thing? Oh, yeah. Men can have abortions. Uh, so they're just acting so weird that it's getting Trump reelected. And I saw that Scott Adams uh, predicted Trump's win about, what, 11 months beforehand? Yeah, he's an intellectual. And he, you know, it, speaking of names, Scott Adams is the guy who says once Trump gives you a name, that becomes your personality. Like when he called Jeb Bush low energy Jeb. Yeah. No yeah. one could see Jeb as anything but low energy Jeb after that. It's like he calls Marco Rubio little Marco. Yeah. I didn't know he was short. I'd never seen him in person, but apparently he's super short. After that, he was just this tiny little man. He just fries people like that. And Scott Adams pointed that out a long time ago. I think, listen, I think Donald Trump is probably one of the greatest presidents in <clears throat> history, but for reasons probably uh, not political, more to do with the fact that he's turned the sort of media establishment on its head. Well, he needs to do a refugee program for South Africans. That's that's the next step. That's what you guys need more than anything. I, you know, I met a, a South African au pair the other day. Yeah. And I just said to her, I hope this doesn't offend you. But I just said, defect. Don't go back. You yeah. Claim refugee status. Do not return. I mean, it, you guys are on the brink of a civil war. And what's frustrating about the American view of it is they see it as the South Africa of 1981. Yeah. Which, by the way... South Africans voted to abolish apartheid. No yeah. one forced them to abolish apartheid. They made that choice. Yeah. So you should even be commending them instead of making this albatross around their neck for eternity. I was at a, my local bar the other day and there was a wine salesman selling wine. And he goes, and I have some beautiful South African wines. And the bartender said, no, 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 I don't want any South African wine. Because in his head, it's the, I ain't going to play Sun City. Yeah. You know, the big hit in 1982. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I didn't remember that, but yeah, I know the story. Yeah. It's just, it's, we have a real problem with incuriosity in yeah. America. And it's, it's an obesity epidemic, but it's mental obesity. So they'll take a narrative that's decades old. And that's that narrative forever after that. Uh, well, we can come back to that. I just want to just quickly uh, spend some, just a few minutes on you. Uh, Proud Boys and, of course, founding Vice. Uh, now, Vice, I've been following for years and years and years, up until recently when I started really disagreeing with the narrative being pushed through. What, what actually happened there? Uh, I, I mean, you've, you've done a 180 in relation to, to what Vice did represent. I mean, I know it was all about sort of punk, punk rock sort of subculture. Uh, but I mean, what, what's happened to it? Well, I left in 08. And uh, I think maybe the, the vice you're talking about was after I left. Because yeah. when I was there, it was very much about arguing debates, about contentious discussions. And when I structured the office, I had the you're contentious for, two, for X amount of time. And eventually, the, the sales team goes, screw you, and poking and poking, and this sort of babysitter doll. Now, I mean, Wikipedia, as we know, the uh, sort of epitome of reliability it is, um, uh, uh, posits you as a far-right <laughs> commentator, as well as pr uh, provoking violence uh, relating to Proud Boys. Now, I know that you've disassociated with Proud Boys. Um, I quite like what they're about. Um, do you still, deep down in your heart, like what they're about? Oh, I totally support them. I think it's the greatest fraternal organization in the world. Yeah. The The problem with, with uh, that case was they're being framed in a New York court system right now where for defending themselves in an Antifa ambush, 
they're being charged with felony riot. Yeah. And they're also trying to imply it's a gang. So I was forced to remove myself to change that narrative, which worked. I think seven of the 11 who were arrested got away with five days community service. One of them is doing a, a jail sentence at Rikers now and on weekends. Yeah. And then the remaining three, uh, one of them is trials much later, but two of them, they're in court today right now. Oh, wow. And they, it's, it's, a, it's a travesty what's going on with them. I mean, no, well, you, they're about defending themselves if you're ambushed, but the, the group is just a men's club. Yes. And 99% of what they do is sit around and drink beer every month. Yeah. You know, but the media doesn't like that. I think what's really going on here is that the, the media doesn't like Trump. And so if you're pro-Trump, then they'll just make up lies about you. Well, I, I must Which tell you, I've, I've got a mega cap, but um, I, <laughs> it isn't the real thing. It must because, be dangerous to wear down there. Uh, well, yes, I don't. I only wear it as a, as a joke. But also keep in mind that it's not the real thing because he doesn't export his caps outside of the U.S. <laughs> really? So, so, I don't like his caps. They, they kind of are bunchy at the top. I don't know if it's to hold his giant blonde fro, <laughs> but it, you could stuff like a you could put a stuffed animal in there. It looks like an engi train engineer's cap. Well, looks and listen, listen look. I, I don't think it's that bad. Uh, I mean, it's red and it's got you know a New York Yankees type thing going on the front of it, so it can be confused. But it's not it's not very safe to wear. I think anywhere in the world, actually, there seems to be this weird Trump derangement syndrome going on. Yes. Um, no, it's maniacal. It's maniacal. I mean. I, there was some guy in my neighborhood who who had a, a, a little stand set up, and it was it said uh, "Defend Trump." Yeah, and it was he was handing out pamphlets or something. Um, women, old ladies were coming up to him. I don't know if you can swear on this show. You can, but they they were just like imagine an eighty five year old woman coming up to a man and going, "Fuck you, <laughs> fuck you." Like it, it's it's bizarre. I I wasn't a big Obama guy, but I didn't care. And, uh, you know, in America, chips, thank people not going to Thanksgiving, Christmas canceled, siblings, you know, severing their relationships. It hasn't been like this since the 70s with the Vietnam War, where if you were for it, you were this hyper conservative with short sleeve shirt and a tie and a pocket protector. And if you're against it, you're some crazy deranged hippie who smoked pot all day. And yeah. had no shoes. Uh Nothing in between. I'm currently reading a book uh, called Why Liberalism Failed. Um, and I'm wondering if, if there's some sort of connection to, to Trump and people becoming hyper progressive. Um, and it's just almost like the hyenas, uh, or, or sharks circling a piece of meat. Um, they don't quite know why, but they're just following the herd. Uh, I mean, how is it in the U.S.? I'll tell you why. It's a war on masculinity. About Trump is that he represents masculinity. And masculinity has been out since the 80s. It started with the sort of 90s shoegazing bands yeah. and this self-deprecation. I'm a creep. <laughs> I'm a weirdo. And, and, you know, hair in your face and, and used, you wear used clothes. I mean, I was part of that culture, too. That was the Tom York culture. Nerds are cool and jocks are, are not cool. Yeah. And Trump showed up and said, no, nerds are pussy. Masculine. And I think Trump marks uh, the pendulum swinging back the other way towards masculinity. And that might be why Trump derangement syndrome is so severe, because it's not no. just these people's entire personalities that are contingent on this, uh, this masculinity sucks thing. It's their education uh, from kindergarten to college, their entire, it's like telling a born again Christian that you can, you can prove Jesus doesn't exist. 
I mean, their entire world just yeah. collapses. And that's what you're seeing happen now. I mean, people are just irrational, man. Irrational. It's kind of weird, though, because you talk about toxic masculinity, right? But Bill Clinton uh, got a blowjob, right? Uh, I mean, and but the outcry yeah. was not nearly, nearly as massive as what as what you're seeing happening currently. That's a good example of the syndrome. I mean, they, they call they call the president uh, anti-Semitic. He moved yeah. the embassy from <laughs> Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Yeah, uh, I, I, there, you'll never have a more Jewish-friendly president in history. I mean, all of his kids are either converted to yes. Orthodox Judaism or dating a Jewish person. He's always been pro-Israel. I've, I'm totally confused by it. Uh, I'm also very There's even confused. this site called uh, We've Seen This Before, and it's Jews aligning uh, uh, to defeat Trump. And I just feel like going, he's on your side, guys. What's the beef? Do you think that um, that the left is, is imploding, or do you think uh, that, that uh, it's only starting to gather momentum? Because I've got a funny feeling it's, it's destroying itself slowly. It is. It is. They're eating themselves. I mean, they, the, the squad of Ilhan Omar and uh, Kamala Harris, not Kamala Harris, Ilhan Omar, um, I'm blanking on the three other names, Palestinian. Uh, anyway, those four, you know, they're called the squad. Yes. Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, those four. AOC. They hate Pelosi. Yeah, they hate Pelosi. She's too right wing. They hate Joe Biden. Oh, wow. And they hate Dave Rubin. He's been asked. Joe Rogan is, is that's so strange. Is next on the chopping block, and I'll tell you what. I predicted Joe Rogan. I knew that was going to happen, but I predict MLK is next. Martin Luther King will be disavowed by be too much about the content of your character yeah. and not enough about identity politics. So once you start attacking Martin Luther King, so lost all credibility. I just uh, and that's where they're at. I just finished reading Andrew Breitbart's uh, book, uh, Righteous Indignation, um, and he uh, we lost a great journalist there, but he he was convinced that there's a culture war that's happening and it's it's surpassing the political war. Do you agree with that? Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the issues don't come up. Like what's when when Hillary was running? Ask anyone what your favorite policy of hers was, and they'd have no answer. No one knows what their favorite Joe Biden mm. policy is. No one knows what how, where Cory Booker stands on anything. It's all about racial and gender. It's all about identity politics. And then and when when it gets to that, it's just like Hispanics vote for the Hispanic guy, white people vote for the white guy, and now you can say whatever you want. It doesn't matter what your policies are. That's a really dangerous place to be in the political landscape what? when your politics don't Why do you think it's happening, though? <laughs> uh, what do you think? I mean, look, I mean, in South Africa, for example, we're, what, quarter of a century out of apartheid now, and people seem to be more racist than ever. I mean, how does that happen? I mean, is the same thing happening in the U.S.? Mental obesity. It's laziness. And, and censorship is a big part of this. Like, in the U.S. right now, big tech has decided to censor everyone on Mao. You know what I mean? Like libertarians, everyone is censored. Sargon of Akkad, lots of liberals are censored for daring to have an open mind. Uh, I bet you Joe Rogan is going to be he's going to be kicked off YouTube soon. But um, what that does is it it makes people mentally lazy, and now we don't have an open discussion, and now we can't correct things. Now you can't tell people, "Hey, dumbass, refusing to buy wine." You're talking about a a 1980. South Africa. There's been a lot of changes going on. You know what, by the way, speaking of the South Africa and the farmers, 
I was going to say a trick you guys should do to raise awareness is talk about the farm murders, but say it's happening to dogs. And say all the truth, the boiling alive, all of the details, they're using the power drill to drill a woman to death, all that stuff. But say it's a dog, right? And you'll get the whole world on your side. And then at the 11th hour, say, oh, wait, sorry, it's actually human beings. Oh, because people care more about dogs. Is that what you said? Yes. If, <laughs> if this was happening to dogs, there'd be riots in the streets. You've given me an idea for a cartoon. All over the world. Yeah, yeah, really. I'll, I think I, I, mean, I think I'm gonna do it, and I, and I'll, I'll credit you. I'll, I'll email it to you. <laughs> okay, I mean, I, and, and you know what it might be too. I think the American mind just cannot handle the level of sadism. Like they they hear it and their brain just shuts down. It's an overload. I heard there's a thing called perceptual blindness. They talk about where they claim that when uh, the Spanish Armadas first came to the Caribbean, yeah. the the natives there. They didn't have a file in their brain for giant building on the water. So their brains would just shut it away and they would just see a flat horizon because their brains went, I don't know what that is. And they would just block it out. Now, whether that's true or not, I think that's what's happening with South Africa. The Americans hear the stories and go, and they just go, it's not Um, happening. One of the, look, one of the, the criticisms that gets leveled at, at uh, somebody who speaks about farm murders in South Africa is, Okay, only a few hundred die a year. Uh, what about the 18,000 other people who get murdered in a year? Now, that is a fair comment, um, but the problem, the yep. problem for me is that uh, in the same way that, that rape is dealt with in a particular way, farm, farm murder should be dealt with in a particular way, and it tends to be ignored uh, ex- quite considerably by our um, government. I'm not entirely certain why. Um, I have my suspicions, um, and probably because they don't want to seem like they are giving any kind of preferential treatment to uh, the large majority of farmers who are white um, and Afrikaans. I, I, th- I think you're wrong. I think the reason that they're being quiet about it is because it's a gift to, to the rest of South Africa. It's a political tool to say, hey, free farms. You want to farm? Do you want to farm? Free farms. And that's ridiculous. That's an insane thing to Mm -hmm. do. But it gets votes. So they go, let's keep doing that. And let's keep it on the DL about the the brutal murders. But but what you say to people when they say there's tons of murders in South Africa, you say, yes, but check the type. Check Mm -hmm. the level of sadism and cruelty in the farm murders. I mean, it's it's beyond reproach. The murders that are in the city are just, boom, you're dead. No one's being boiled in the city but they are boiling children alive in the farm. there is also another another interesting um difference is that a farmer is an occupation um whereas if let's say you had a few hundred journalists being murdered every year there'd be massive oh great there'd point. be huge media outcry i never thought of that before yeah yeah it is strange to target a profession like that and again it started with uh, this myth that that the land was stolen from whatever the Zulus with uh, Bota in the 1800s. I mean, that's just a made up story. The land was unfarmable, garbage land that the Boers somehow, I don't even know how, managed to turn into arable agricultural cornucopias. It's confusing how they did it. The Boers Boers boggle my mind, but they managed to do it. Very innovative uh, people. Yeah, they're a very, and and it's funny too, because you look at the history of the Boers and they were severely abused by England. England yeah. was losing that. There were war, concentration camps, the by the way. And, yes, 
And then Britain said, all right, we're not, we're losing by playing fair. Let's burn down their homes, kill the woman and children. And that's when the Boers went, all right, let's stop this. You're, you killed my wife and my children. And in a way they're sort of going through this again now where their Mm. women and children are being killed unjustly. I don't know. The the real, sorry. The only question with, with South Africa is when do you give up? And maybe we've passed that point. You mentioned earlier that you think South Africa is on the verge of a civil war. Now, I mean, l- look, let's be real. That discussion comes up quite a lot um, here, particularly in South Africa. Why do you think, uh, from your perspective, that is the case? Well, I'm scared to talk to you about this because I don't want you to get in trouble. Because the government is so corrupt there that it's been totally overrun by by Marxists, by communists. And it's not a racial thing mm. because the, this tribalism, It's a culture thing. It's a cultural war thing. It, 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 yeah, black tribes are going to be destroyed in this civil war. It's going to, whites are just one of the many tribes in South Africa, but it's going to be like four tribes versus four tribes. And have the power. They're, Marxists are getting people killed. You know, the, the third largest party in South Africa, the EFF, um, they think that Venezuela is an amazing example of how South Africa <laughs> should be. And in fact, they sent, they sent a team over there to uh, apparently uh, see how they operate. It's the most incredible thing. And we, we tend to side with all the, the leftist regimes. I mean, I don't know if you know, but South Africa is part of what's called BRICS. Uh, which is uh, Brazil, Russia, India. Um, uh, what, I leave, did I leave one out now? China. And um, you can see a trend already with, with the countries that, that we align ourselves with. Our government... But Brazil's great. Brazil's great. No, Brazil's now, yes, definitely. Now. Yes, now, yes. Yeah. For sure, and I'm I'm a but bit they of a, weren't when they came up with it. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm a, and I'm a, I'm a bit of a fan of Putin as well for a number of uh, reasons that are difficult to get into. But I, I kind of like what he represents. Um, right. But but the thing the thing is is that the, our government does not like what's considered conservatism or anything that would be considered right-wing. And yes, the weird thing, um, the world tends to follow what America does. So if I speak about left or right-wing, we probably will, will be talking about American definitions, although we're always five, five ten years behind. Um, if you get called far-right, what does that mean to you or, or the media? What does it even mean? Because I don't know what that means today. Means that you are... Um obsessed with law and order, you promote the drug war, you like drugs abroad, you're against homosexuality, you're against gay marriage, you very rare far right. I mean, we get called far right on Wikipedia. Wikipedia is compromised by Antifa, all those big tech guys. I don't mean they're sympathetic to Antifa, I mean they're literally in Antifa. But people who get called far right in this day and age are not far right. Like, I'm against the drug war. I don't care about gay marriage. I don't care about homosexuality. I, I'm a Christian, but I don't care if any, what anyone else wants mm. to do. Um, I mean, Milo is one of your good mates, and, and he's as, as gay as they get. Yeah, I'm a libertarian, you know, through and through. So, except for the open border stuff, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty center. Mm. But the way that the squad, the AOC gang, is framing the narrative is they think Trump is extreme, so they are extreme to counter him. But they're wrong. Trump is an extreme. 
So they're reacting to something that doesn't exist. And now everyone to the right of the squad is far right. So you're far right now if you think there's only two genders. Or you're far right now if you think only women can have abortions. <laughs> what are, what's the term that they use? Intersectionality. Yeah. Yes. That's, I mean, they made up a mm. whole language. They, ha- they talk about multiracial white supremacy with blacks and Asians being part of it. What? So they, they're part of a group that doesn't like them? What are you exactly. talking about? It's, it's just and abolishing fossil fuels? Yeah, it's ridiculous. What, uh, what is it, a solar plane? I mean, I don't understand how the, their brain works. And they've created this mythical Nazi hellhole America that is just not true. And the funny thing about this lie is it's so easy to, to disprove. Just walk outside. You walk mm. outside and you see everyone going, hey, how's it going? Jordan Peterson. <laughs> you know, Sorry, I'm, I interrupted you. Go on. Oh, no, I'm just, you know, you, you, you look at the way you're, 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 when you go to work, the industry is. You, you travel around, you talk mm. to people. Again, ask a comedian how racist, sexist, transphobic, etc. America is. And he'll go, mm, it's really rare. Uh, really Jordan nice. Peterson um, actually made a good point, uh, I think, two years ago when he said that intersectionality is going to keep uh, splitting and splitting and splitting until it eventually reaches the inevitable individual, which is exactly one massive circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Well, on the way down, though, there's some sheer chaos. And I think sometimes you say maybe the left should just be left to their own devices because they're so bad at this that they're cannibalizing themselves and they're their own worst enemy. I mean, they. They do things. They had everyone was wearing these rainbow burqas to show solidarity with Islam and LGBT, yeah. including men. Men wearing sorry hijabs. Men wearing rainbow hijabs. Now Muslims don't want that. Uh, women don't want. Like who are you helping here? Yeah, you're 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 almost like a spy that was sent in from the right to sabotage this march. They're acting like spies who are who are sabotaging their own movement. Really, do you think? Uh, that Andrew Breitbart was correct when he said that the left is winning the war because because it it, it dominates the the media narrative. Um, or, or, or do you think that it's losing the war, or do you think that it's or that the right is winning little battles along the way, but still losing the overall culture war? It's so strange to have your guy in the White House and still be losing. Like the analogy I would use is imagine in a king entire kingdom of the, mm. the entire monarchy wants him dead and is trying to poison him or something so imagine a king where the the castle was just rife with saboteurs and that's where we are and i think the left is winning yeah because of the conversation i mean i started my own sort of arc called freespeech.tv uh which i should be plugging more on the no, show you can you can in TV. fact in fact that's where i saw your your stuff with with milo oh great so that uh that's my own platform I made, but otherwise I'm kicked off of everything. So when someone makes up a lie, we can't correct it. Mm. And they can just say like, oh, this, this rally is to celebrate a synagogue shooting. And you're like, what? No, absolutely not. No, but you can't say that because you can't get to them. And journalists can make up lies. You used to be able to, when a journalist had a mistake in an article, you could tweet at him and say, uh, it wasn't 10 people. It was more like 10,000 people. And he'd have to correct it. Now they just make up stories and there's no way to correct it. So what the left did is they 
and then they controlled the conversation. And when you control the conversation, you don't necessarily control the mindset of the country, mm. but you control the discussion. And when you control the discussion, you control the perception. But that doesn't always work. Like, look at the last election. They controlled the perception. Perception was Hillary. Like a Potemkin village the left has created. They've, they pretend that they're winning and it looks like they're winning. But when you actually check the substance, they're not. How did you swing? Uh, I mean, or red, how did you get red pulled? 9-11. Gee, just like uh, that. I wasn't very. Yeah, I was there. I watched it happen with my own eyes, and I started getting involved in politics and the culture wars and religion. And so, I also read Death, Death of the West that same year by Pat Buchanan. All oh, right, and that's a real wake up call. Um, I've got that book. I haven't read it yet. But, uh, what What were you it's doing? A life changer. Okay, I'll I'll read it. What were you doing? On 9-11, I remember also uh, what I was doing that day, and I'll, and I'll also tell you what I was doing, but w- what were you doing that or, it was in the morning, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 9 a.m. I was in the Lower East Side. I lived there, and that's a, a couple miles from the Lower Manhattan. So we heard about it on the news. My girlfriend came over, woke us up, me and my friend. We've been up almost all night partying, and I go up to my roof, and the first building, I just thought, oh, it's... And they're looking at the second and then we're still up there the whole building was up on top of the roof it wasn't a very big building so there was only about like 25 people and then we watched the towers collapse and i think a lot of americans just sort of went wait a minute what's been going on I wasn't really paying attention what's happening now yeah what's saudi arabia what was this Osama bin laden what have you people been doing you know I, I i sort of let you run the farm and then i come over and there's cows all over the road and there's no milk or eggs and you go wait a minute whoa 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 Who's running this place? And, and that's when you start to get curious. But I've, I've always been sort of like when I was a punk rock teenager, we would fight Nazi skinheads and we hated the government. I've always been dubious of authority. So I don't really feel like I've changed that much. Mm. I'm still this sort of anarchist punk teenager that wants maximum liberty and equality for everyone. I don't want the government controlling us and telling us what to do. That's pretty punk. I, well, I agree with you. And the funny, the funny thing is, I also grew up with with, uh, with punk rock, um, which which is quite strange, I guess, for you hearing that coming from someone in Africa. Um, but uh, no. I, I mean, I grew up with Offspring and No Effects and uh, Black Flag and uh, and Sex Pistols. I mean, Johnny Rotten was one of my heroes for years and years and years until he got fat and but slow. Um, but I mean, but I mean, I was also anti-establishment, and and what I found though, what what put me off a lot of the punk rock scene uh, for years was that um, a lot of them seem to be lefties, or they just pretend to be. I mean, I know Fat Mike; I think he's a bit of a lefty, although he <laughs> he trolls very well though. You kind of got into it late, my friend, and it had sort of been taken over by the Californians in the and they were all very has all these mm-hmm. uh they're the kids of liberal in the 80s it was all over the place and gangrene and budweiser and dicks on stage and and you know butthole surfers with naked ladies all over the stage who were actually homeless women it was, i i was just in, had a woman on my show the other day she's in a band called bbqt there's two bands called that she's in the texas one and she wrote a song called Savage about how she's just a savage and so like a, a rocky punk kind of a band. <laughs> and the record label kicked her off because they said savage is a term that's offensive to the aboriginals. And she goes, no, it's an adjective. It's also an adjective. And it's a noun that's used in many different contexts. In fact, 
my kids are always there's two main words they use is you're a noob yeah meaning you suck at video yeah, games yeah. or you're a savage yeah. which means you're good at video games nothing to do with indians and they coincidentally are indians but they don't even know that that term is used and it's to describe it. it's kind of weird uh this this thing about uh, uh thought policing and, and words in south africa we we're in a very strange situation uh where we've had a a couple people being criminalized for words um and uh, it's something I vehemently oppose, but it's it's a strange discussion because the moment I the moment I say that it seems like I'm supporting them for being racist or or using racial discriminatory words, but I'm not. I'm supporting a principle, and I know that in the U.S. you also have major problems with with words being censored and uh, and things that you're allowed to say and things that you aren't allowed to say. Do you do you find that it's a it's a it's a problem there? Yes, it very much like you'll lose your job, you lose yeah. your friends. It's it, and it's for something you didn't say, or didn't mean, or or they they got the context wrong. I'd understand if you genuinely were this evil person, and they you know you're ostracized. That's how it works. Like with pedophiles, you're ostracized and you're jailed, and no one wants to be around you. And once they discover what your motive is, you're a pariah. Good, you yeah. should be a pariah. But in this case, you're, it's often like that girl who wrote the Savage song. She doesn't. She wasn't thinking of Indians, and she's kicked off her label. But to compare you and me is is insane. You are genuinely living in bona fide tyranny. Your life's in danger on a daily basis, and not just from criminals, but from the the state mm. itself. I mean, you are you're in a war zone right now. We are just in a very strange time. I mean, I always refer to America right now as clown world because it's so ridiculous. It's silly, mm. but. And I guess I am in danger in certain neighborhoods. I would get beaten for, for you know, being a MAGA guy and I'm banned from bars. I get kicked out of bars when they recognize <laughs> me. But that's nothing when compared to South Africa. You're sort of like a dystopian time machine where we can see what will be like in 20 years. I mean, what's what's your plan? Are you going to leave? Um, you know, it's a, it's a good question. It, I, I, I grew up thinking that this is my home. You remember, you know, home is where, where the heart is. But, you know, it, it's a strange situation because one doesn't like leaving one's home. But I, I probably would leave one day if if the political situation deteriorates. And it's kind of weird because from your perspective, you probably see me as a frog in boiling water. Um, and I'm well aware of that. And I can see how the country is imploding economically. And I don't see um a a a prosperous future because the african way tends to be one of of dictatorships and authoritarian governance and it seems to be like that throughout africa the the short answer is yeah look at zimbabwe yeah, exactly it's, it's ruined zimbabwe is beyond repair so the short and that's where you're headed yeah. you've got your own uh, uh, yeah probably and i i don't see what's his name thinking on you talking about robert mugabe Mugabe, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I probably would emigrate if 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 my family uh, becomes endangered. And, and it's kind of weird because everything's relative, isn't it? I mean, I live... I live Your in family's in danger. Well, yeah, but I mean, I live in Cape Town, okay? So Cape Town is a beautiful, beautiful city. And it's, and it's probably, probably the best city in the country. It's not nearly as dangerous as Johannesburg. Um, but I still probably live in a Didn't bubble. Didn't you guys just run out of water recently? Yes, last year. 
<laughs> we I will leave if it gets really bad, but it's not bad yet. Uh, <laughs> I love you. I love your imitation of me. And people are getting raped every day and boiled alive. But oh, that's actually the good thing about running out of water is there's no water to boil your children alive. <laughs> so that's the plus. We 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 had to shower with uh, with buckets and uh, and then use those buckets of water to uh, to water our garden. <laughs> Uh, you know when we ran out of water in America? When was that? Never. Oh, really? Never. Okay, but you get earthquakes. No, we, yeah, some parts do. We haven't run out of water since we were cavemen. All right, fair enough. We 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 have a water. Okay, many people will blame the rain. I don't buy that because Dubai doesn't get rain, and neither does Israel, and they seem to manage fine. So it's definitely a managerial problem. Yeah. Um. But, I mean, look. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's relative. Yeah, I, I think I, it's time to go. I've never lived. I've never lived in a country other than this country. So this is what I know. Um, so from from your perspective, it looks terrible, and from where I'm sitting, it doesn't look as bad because of the city that I'm in and the and the the little bubble in the city that I'm living in. If that makes sense. Right, but the the other problem is I'm not criticizing. Uh, Cape Town or anything. I'm just saying it's about to get a lot worse. There's going to be riots in the streets. There's going to be major gun battles. It's going to come down to who's got the biggest guns. And as you'll notice, one of my sponsors is a gun rights group. <laughs> well, they're taking away the guns from the. I mean, every white farmer I've spoken to mm. has uh, illegal guns. Because, yeah, well, because they they want to protect themselves. But tell me something. Yeah. Speaking of guns, do you do you go hunting? I've been a couple of times. I'm a city kid. I mean, I, I, I'm armed, but uh, I've only been hunting a handful of times. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Uh, you've just had two major mass shootings, one from a right winger and one from a left winger. Yeah. Uh, what I mean, in the media, the, the, the right winger, the El Paso guy, if I've, if I've pronounced it correctly, is dominating the media for his, his views and his manifesto. But, but I saw far less to do with the, the uh, guy in, where was it, Ohio? Is that right? Yep. He was in Antifa, the, the other guy. Um, I think it was Ohio, yeah. And so the media's not going near it because he hated Trump, and he was literally a member of Antifa. Um, the El Paso guy, though... Again, they get to lump him in with the far right, but he was kind of one of these weird eco dudes who was worried about the world's water supply and the environment. And he was anti-immigration, but there was also a lot of sort of lefty things uh, about him. But they just they, they want to use him as a political tool. So they they try to leverage that the immigration part um, and ignore everything else. But it, yeah, it, it's again, it's people politicizing dead bodies before the bodies are even yeah, I mean, and I mean, oh. and everyone's blaming and, Trump. Yeah, which is insane. But the, they talk about gun control. Even Trump is talking about gun control now. But we did ban AR-15s in the '90s with Clinton, and it did absolutely nothing. Shootings. Most liberals don't realize that the AR-15 is just your dad's hunting rifle, painted to look cool with the telescopic lens and the magazine and all the cool stuff. It's the same gun that your grandpa shoots deer with. It's, it a, it's looks, a great gun. And they call it military style. It just looks military. I mean, they used to do that when I was a kid to water pistols. Yeah. We didn't call them military style water pistols. So you can ban it all you want. It's not going to make a difference. I think the real problem with this is this politically correct anti-masculine culture. It's mm. making Gen Y feel lonely and you know they feel desperate and they just get told they suck 
all day. And eventually, if you're a weak person and you get told you suck by the media, by movies, by everything, eventually they just snap. And I think what we're really seeing is a mental illness epidemic in this country, and it's it's depression and loneliness. Uh, just to talk about the Arrow 15 for a second, I love that gun. Um, and my, my wife shot it for the first time, I think, last year. Um, and i got to say, women shooting Arrow 15s are very sexy. Yeah, because they jiggle. <laughs> um, but listen, uh, look. I, I got I to gotta wrap it up soon here. I'm going to get kicked out of this room. I'm on, on holiday. But I, I can give you another, another question or two. All right, cool. Well, let, let me just quickly ask you a question that's coming from the comments, if you, if you don't mind. Uh, let me just quickly see what someone's asking you. Not at all. Um, uh, can Jim, can you ask Gavin about his <laughs> Miles McInnes vids? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's the character I do. It's my brother I'm making them, but I I got swamped launching this new website, freespeech.tv. But I'll probably get back to doing him. It's it's important to remember politically that your best tool is often humor. And the left seems to have lost mm. their humor, and we need to retain ours. It's not just a great survival mechanism, but it's a great way to make your point, is to lampoon the opposite side. And I think it helps Absolutely. interest young people, because young people can see that the left has... I really appreciate your time. Uh, I, I'll let you, I'm, you... You're on a vacation, I believe. Yeah, we're at my friend's lake right now. Ah, oh, so wonderful I, I stuff. I water skiing. Oh, great stuff, man. Great stuff. Well, listen, I really appreciate your time. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play out my, in, my outro video. If you can just hang on just for one minute. Um, okay. I, I'm going to just say cheers quickly. Guys, thanks very much for, for tuning in. I know we're a little bit early, but uh, Gavin's on holiday. So we really appreciate his time. And uh, please uh, join me uh, next week. I have uh, Big Daddy Liberty on. He's going to be talking about being Zulu being Jewish, and what it's like to shoot guns. <laughs> All right, guys, take it easy. I will, I'll chat to you uh, soon. Um, if you don't mind just hanging on, Gavin.